Many people are using the FaithFi app to help provide the wisdom, community, and money management to stay on track, financially speaking. To date, over 37,000 members are using its digital envelope system, participating in our community forums, and engaging in virtual workshops. And one of the most convenient features is the ability to keep all your accounts in one place for an easy at-a-glance view. You can choose from one of three options depending on your management style, and it's available on desktop or mobile. Go to faithfy.com and click App to get started. It's a simple question we get from time to time. When should I start teaching my kids about money? I'm Rob West. The answer, however, isn't always as simple as the question. It all depends on what you're trying to teach your children. Today, I'll share some age-appropriate money lessons for kids. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, Christian parents are well acquainted with Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That training, of course, includes managing money wisely according to God's financial principles. Teaching the practical application of those principles isn't a one-time thing. It's a process, and it requires teaching certain things at certain times as your child grows and matures. So let's look at some money lessons for kids at various ages. Maybe as early as age three, and certainly by age five, you can introduce the idea that buying things requires money. That's a simple concept, and it's followed by the idea that you have to earn money, and that means work. Then teach that once you have money, you can spend it on things, or you can save it, or you can give it. You might even give a very young child a small amount to put in the collection plate on Sunday. At this early stage, you can also introduce the concept of needs and wants. Explain that you need to have a place to live, a way to get around, and food to eat, but that many other things are wants. You don't have to have them, but they're nice. Just about anything a child begs for in the grocery store will fall into the wants column, and that's a teachable moment. You can also introduce the basic concept of budgeting at this early age using the three jars approach. As children receive money, perhaps from birthday or Christmas gifts, they can divide it among jars for spending, saving, and giving. When children reach 9 or 10, they're ready to learn more about earning money and managing it. You can give them opportunities to do that around the house. You could also elect to give them an allowance each week, for which they're expected to perform certain chores without being asked. If a chore isn't done, the allowance is withheld until it is. From ages 10 to 15, you can expand on the idea of working to earn by giving your kids the chance to earn greater amounts for doing more difficult chores, such as babysitting or mowing the lawn. You can also help them set savings goals. You can even set up a custodial account for them at a bank or use a money app for kids. You can build on the budget concept by setting aside a little from the family's grocery budget. At the store, let the children decide which of their favorites to spend it on. That's a quick way to drive home the idea that money is always limited, that you always have more choices than money, as Ron Blue likes to say. 
In this 10 to 15 stage, you can also have children decide on a ministry they'd like to give to. Teach them to tithe to your local church, but let them choose where they'd like to give beyond that. Raising faithful tithers and generous givers, what more could you want? Now we come to ages 16 to 18. At this stage, children are able to work outside the home to a great extent, and in some states, even younger than that, 14 in Georgia, 16 in Wisconsin, for example. This will give them the opportunity to earn a great deal more than they can around the house. Whether that income is constant or varies, help them set up a budget with necessary categories. Emphasize the importance of sticking to that budget so they can meet their goals, which by this time could be things like a car or saving a certain amount for college. You can also offer to match what they save. Instead of just buying your teenager a car, encourage him or her to save for it by matching what they put in the bank, much like an employer might match contributions to a 401k. This is also a good time to teach the value of investing, again, with a custodial account or on an app. Let teenagers decide which stock or stocks they'd like to buy, probably in fractional shares. Impress on your children that you don't automatically sell a stock if it loses value, that the market goes up and down, and that investing is for the long haul. You can also set up Roth IRA accounts for your kids if they have earned income or a 529 education savings plan. And again, let them choose a stock to invest in within those accounts. You want to teach these money lessons to your kids at the appropriate times so they're ready to take on the responsibility of managing money on their own and doing it wisely. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. We'll be right back. When we follow Jesus, the things of this world grow strangely dim. We focus less on ourselves and more on God's kingdom. In Michael Blue's book, Free to Follow, we're reminded to surrender everything to Jesus and follow Him. Free to Follow explores what the Bible says about money and possessions and challenges you to rethink the way you view and use them. Request a copy of Free to Follow with your gift of any amount to faithfi.com slash follow. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the Faith and Finance program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. All right, back to the phones we go. Uh, let's head to uh, Illinois. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Hey, Rob, you got it. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thank you very much for all the uh, counsel and wisdom you give out on a daily basis. And somehow I end up catching your show and I usually leave work to go run <laughs> errands early in the afternoon when the sun's hitting. And I don't know how, but you keep me awake at nap time. So thank you very much. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> That's great. How can I yeah, help you? excellent. All right. So I'm just curious to know kind of your general thoughts and input on investing in the uh, U.S. Treasury I-bonds at this time with the 6.9 rate of return. I think it's guaranteed through some date might have been expired already, but knowing that, you know, we might not see a dip yet. What do you what do you think about that? I'm just a little bit 
uneasy about investing in anything U.S. securities related at, at this current time. <laughs> Yeah, well, in terms of the safety, I don't have any problem with it. I mean, could we have a a bigger problem, credit crisis, uh, you know, down the road? Sure. I think that's plausible just given a lot of the challenges we have in this country, the debt levels, the demographics are working against us. We've got we don't have pro-growth policies. I mean, we've got uh, we were really heading in the right direction with regards to energy. We're not any longer. I mean, uh, we've got the question about the, the dollars, reserve currency status. I don't think that's changing anytime soon, but clearly we're starting to see moves in the other direction. And so you put all that together and you say, you know, could that create some real challenges for us here in the United States down the road? Yes, but I think that's probably decades away still. So uh, do I have any problem with you investing in I-bonds? No, I think it's about the safest investment out there. If I look at the U.S. as the largest, strongest economy in the world for all intents and purposes, the backing of the full faith and credit of the United States government, despite all of those things I just mentioned, for me is much stronger than really any other option you might put against it. Um, So how do I view this as an investment? Well, I would say if you think of three buckets of money, the first bucket is I need this money in less than a year. I wouldn't put that money in because you've got to wait a year before you can touch it. Bucket three would be, you know, three years plus um, if you need that, you know, this is money that you have the ability to invest for the longer term. I wouldn't put that in I-bonds. I'd rather you invest that in in stocks and take advantage of these prices that are down. But if you have money that's got a, like a one to three year time horizon, I think that's where this can be pretty attractive because you're going to get some number that's slightly lower than that in May for the next six months. And then it'll still be elevated probably for the next couple of years, even though it's going to revert back to a point in the next couple of years where you're not going to be as excited about it as the, as the fed attacks inflation. So that would be kind of the bucket of money that I would pull from, but as to the safety, I would have high confidence in it. Excellent. Thank you for the counsel. And I did not realize that the uh, current rate, even if purchased now would only be, would only be applicable for the next six months until they change that. So that's good to note, but thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you get the interest credited at the end of each six-month period. You don't actually get it until you redeem the bond, but it would be credited to your account based on the rate that was prevailing for that six-month period. And then you'd start a new six months at the next rate, and then at the end of that period, it would be credited, and that's basically how it works. All right, to Florida. Hi, Chris. Thanks for calling. Where are you in Florida, by the way? Lantana, Florida. Oh, good. How can I help you? Well, I'm planning to retire at the end of next month at 66 and a half years old. I have a 403B where I work, and it has probably 100000 in it. I hear you all the time saying don't leave it at your former employer, but I don't know what to do with it, and I don't have a big time horizon anymore. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so are you thinking of retiring very soon, or are you still a few years away? No, in the next month, May. Oh, wow. Okay, congratulations. What are you most excited about uh, in this next chapter of your life? I'm just curious. Um, I like to do gardening, and I also want <clears throat> to do a few more things around my church. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. Well, um, in terms of the investments, I would probably look at rolling this to an IRA. You're right, not leaving it there. But I would get an advisor to help you with that. Uh, some advisors will need more than 100000 as a minimum. Some might have a minimum of two hundred or 250000 But there'd be plenty of uh, investment advisors that could uh, take a $100,000 401k and manage it for you. I think the key would be for you to interview two or three, find the one that's the best fit. But this is a significant sum of money. You worked a long time and very hard to save this up. I wouldn't just put it on autopilot. And then when you select that advisor, he or she will tell you which custodian they want to use, maybe Schwab or Fidelity or one of the big wirehouses like Merrill or uh, Morgan Stanley. It could be any of those. Uh, And then they'll open an IRA and then they'll get the surrender or you will get the surrender paperwork from your employer uh, to uh, roll that over to your new IRA. And then that advisor would manage it for you. And he or she will do that based on your goals and objectives. But they'll be the ones on a daily basis that are charged with putting your interests first and picking the investment selections. Um, uh, We recommend the Certified Kingdom Advisor designation. It's basically an industry designation that's widely accepted, um, where these men and women have met high standards in character and competence and integrity, also experience. Uh, They've had a regulatory review, pastor and client references, plus they've been extensively trained um, in biblically wise financial advice. And so um, they've also signed signed a statement of faith personally. And you can find uh, some certified kingdom advisors there in Florida on our website, faithfi.com. Just click find a CKA. But that would be my recommended approach. How does that sound? Well, I should have said I neglected to tell you I have an IRA. Can you have another one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can have as many as you want. You can also roll this money that's in the 403B into your existing IRA if you want to. Um, So the only limit you have is on the amount you can put in each year. There's not a limit on the amount of IRAs that you can have. So then if you're rolling it over, 100000 is over that limit. So, But since you're rolling it over, it's okay to do it that way? Oh, yeah. That's only applies to new contributions. A rollover is not subject to those annual limits. Okay. On the new contributions, I know you have to be working to make a contribution. Yeah. What if you're only working part-time? Well, it's it's based on your earned income. So not income from Social Security or, you know, anything else, passive income, but earned income. So a part-time job would qualify. You can give up to the limit or the amount of earned income you have for the year. Okay. Sounds All right. great. Good. Well, thanks for calling today, Chris. God bless you. Uh, quickly to uh, Chicago. Amelia, I understand you have a question about the digital dollar, right? I do. I recently uh, found out that uh, the U.S. has made steps toward going to digital dollar, or I don't know if it's global or the U.S. Yeah. So we're still a long way off. They've completed a research phase, and it's a multi-agency study that was done. We're moving in that direction, but here's the reality. It's a long way off. Am I a fan? No, because I think it would give the government visibility even more into our financial lives in a way that's not healthy, but it can't happen from the central bank. It's a congressional function, so it would need the president and the Congress and with divided government 
government. This will be a hotly debated topic before it goes anywhere. So you can rest assured that nothing's going to happen anytime soon, and we'll keep you apprised. Thanks for calling. Hey, just after this break, we'll be back with a lot more of your calls and questions. Stay with us. This is Faith and Finance. My name is Kent, and I'm a member of Christian Healthcare Ministries. I have a friend who actually has great insurance, and she recently had a a life-threatening experience. And she was laying in the hospital bed afraid, not afraid for her life, but afraid of what her insurance would or would not cover. And as a CHM member, I can honestly say I just never have that fear. I can't tell you the, the peace of mind that provides. Learn more about Christian Healthcare Ministries' biblical cost sharing at chministries.org. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian Credit Counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian Credit Counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. Hey, did you know that Faith and Finance is listener-supported? That's right. We can only bring you this program each day because of your generous support. So many of you support us monthly or one time. We always are grateful for that. If you'd like to become a supporter of the ministry, we'd uh, invite you to visit our website at faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. You can just click the Give button. You'll find the address to put a check in the mail. You can give over the phone, or you'll find a secure form there as well. Again, faithfi.com. Just click Give. We'll head right back to the phones. We go to Carla in Tampa. Hi, Carla. How can I help? Hey, hey, Rob. This is Beth. Hey, I have a home equity line that I owe $50,000 on, but it's okay. at 8.5% interest. Oh, and wow. it's, I have a great desire to get rid of that. Yeah. Um, so I have an IRA with 300000 in it. And I thought, well, let me take the 50000 out of my IRA, pay off that high equity line. And then the money that I was paying towards the equity line monthly, I would just turn around and pay it back into my IRA. Hmm. Does that sound like a... Yeah, uh, the challenge is, um, what is your age? I'm 63, Okay. and I'd like to retire, you know, in in about, you know, two or three years from now, and I have a 401k also through my work. Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't love that HELOC, um, especially with that variable interest rate, which has been moving up with the Fed funds rate going up, and that's why you're up at 8.5%. The challenge is you're going to take out that 50000 That's all going to be added to your taxable income. So let's say you end up spending an extra $10,000 in taxes at a minimum. It's probably going to be a little more than that, even though you don't have the penalty. That makes this very expensive money. On top of that... Um, you are then going to um, not only have this uh, tax liability, but you're not going to have that money in the portfolio when this account recovers. And we don't know when that will be. Will that be this fall? Will that be at the end of the year? Will it be early next year? I don't know. 
But now that 50000 is out and whatever you've lost just because the market's been pulling back, now that money's not available for yet, for that to recover, which, you know, that recovery could be pretty significant as this market takes off once the Fed's done and we're through the recession. And, you know, remember, the market looks out six to 12 months and anticipates where the economy's headed. So it's going to be a, a leading indicator uh, to move higher well before we even fully recover on the economy. And so I think for those two reasons, as much as I don't like that eight and a half percent, I don't like you pulling this out of the 401, excuse me, the IRA. So what other options do we have? Are you currently contributing to a retirement account? Yes, I contribute to a, a 401 and a Roth through my work. Okay. And what percent of your income are you putting in? 14%. Okay, and that's great. Uh, how much is that uh, on a monthly basis? Do you know, roughly? Um, uh, no, I don't know right off. Okay. Well, I guess the other option would be you cut back on those new contributions, and you take that amount because now you get a higher paycheck every month because you've got less salary deferral going into the 401k or the, the Roth, and you take that plus whatever you already had going to the HELOC and you really boost that, even try to cut some expenses and, you know, put even more gas on the fire, if you will. And, and you really just try to attack this thing, not by pulling money out that's already been contributed, but by kind of reducing what you're putting in just temporarily, not all the way to zero, but just cutting it down so that you can get this HELOC paid off a little quicker. I would be more in favor of that approach than I would uh, you just pulling that 50K out of the IRA. Right. Okay. I was putting um, more money in the 401 because I didn't want to pay taxes. Yeah, and I get that, but you're going to be turning around and creating a pretty big tax liability with that 50K because all that's going to be added as taxable income this year. So I certainly understand that, and I'd love for us to be able to find other ways to pay this back, and that's why my first choice is always for you to cut lifestyle spending so you can free up more margin to go after this HELOC. But, um, you know, maybe it's a combination of that and just a little bit of the money you were putting into the 401k. Keep in mind, this HELOC is variable. So as interest rates, you know, peak here, which we think that'll happen with the net next Fed hike, as long as inflation cooperates, you know, we're probably going to start seeing the Fed move down, hopefully later this year, certainly next year. So this is going to be temporary. Um, so I think I'd go that approach as opposed to the uh, the IRA. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Happy to help. Thank you for your call today. Uh, to Chicago. Hey, Mike, what can I do for you, sir? Hi. A couple questions in regards to Irma. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. I, I know it's uh, – I'm trying to get my questions straight here. The 2022 uh, amount is 182. 182,000, anything over that, you go up into the next bracket and you're charged more. Uh, but that doesn't, that wouldn't take effect until 2024, if I understand that. 
Yeah. So for the benefit of our audience, IRMA is the income-related monthly adjustment for Medicare. So it's a surcharge on Medicare premiums for Medicare Part B, which is the medical insurance, and Part D, the prescription drug plans. And each year it's based on the adjusted gross income amount you report on your IRS tax return two years ago. Uh, So for 2023, beneficiaries whose 2021 AGI was greater than $97,000 for a single, $194,000 for a joint, will pay that IRMA surcharge anywhere from $230 to $560, depending on your income. Okay. So if the limit if the limit before the bracket change for 2022 is 182 and if i earned 195 um that the year that that it starts which would be two years uh, i imagine january 1st does that go by the 2022 182 or whatever the 2024 uh, maximum is yeah, it's um, there's a maximum for this year, so you'll have to look at the 2023 limits, but it's based on your AGI from two years ago, so that'd be your AGI from your 2021 return, whatever you reported on that tax return for that year, that's how they determine that amount. Uh, If you have further questions, though, perhaps this is the year to get with a CPA just to go over your specific situation. But in general, that number you're looking for is adjusted gross income on your tax return two years prior based on the current year's limits. Well, once again, our time went by way too fast. But tune in next time and we'll do it all over again. Before we go, I'd like to thank our incredible production team, Amy, Devin, Jim, Robert, Brandy, Rob, and Ben. Couldn't do it without them. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.